morning. Hello, everybody. Again, thank you guys so much uh, for joining us online <laughs> this morning. We know that um, obviously the roads were a little too treacherous today for everyone to be able to get out you know, with the ice and the snow. And our main priority is we want to be able to keep everyone safe. So thank you so much for joining us online uh, this morning as we continue on with our conversation of the book of Proverbs. But really quickly, um, just so you Make sure you know uh, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently this morning. Um, obviously, we don't have any music, um, you know, from here at the stage today. But so I encourage you, if you want to spend some time with some, you know, worship and song, you know, maybe go look up some videos or check out another service or do something like that. That way you as your family can still sing and praise together um, in some way. But also one thing we're going to be doing today is we will be taking communion as a congregation. We're obviously, you know, doing this separated. But if you want to go ahead and in the house somewhere, find some crackers and some juice. And at the conclusion of today's message, we will be taking communion all together. I mean, don't worry about trying to find something that, you know, is unleavened or trying to find grape juice or whatever it is. Just find some type of bread or some type of juice. Hey, it can even be water if it needs to be. The substance itself doesn't actually matter. It's what it represents. So I encourage you to do that and hang on to it at the end of the service, and then we will join in that together. But really quickly, before we get started, I know last week we didn't have a whole lot of hands raised. We had a few, but uh, I, you know, as we're starting 2022, our goal is to get more serious about literally turning the pages of God. We're taking this year to finally be the year we get serious about getting in the scripture. Because for many of us, we may have been Christians, believers, may have been baptized for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, but we've yet to get serious about the Word of God. And almost every time we open up the Word of God, there's stories and there's events where people, whether it's Christ or someone else, who are going through extraordinary circumstances. And what do they do? Not only do they pray, but they quote Scripture. And so we're going to be getting in 2022, we're going to be getting into the habit of memorizing Scripture. So raise your hand, even if you're at home in your living room, at the kitchen table, whatever it is, raise your hand if you did your memory work this week, right? Recite it with me if you did. Um, keep all falsehood and lies from me. Ne give me neither riches nor poverty, but only my daily Bread. See, I may even mess it up a word or two, but that's okay, church. We're making an effort to get better. That's Psalm uh, chapter 30, verse 8. But again, thank you guys for joining today. We know you could have been doing so many other things, watching TV or doing whatever it is. I really want to ask you this question that kind of set the rest of the day up. It kind of, kind of comes from what we talked about last week as we dive into the book of Proverbs is this. Is God your number one priority in life. You'll see that on the screen. Is God your number one priority in life? Because he should be. Last week, we had our whole conversation was not only looking at the book of Proverbs, but looking at our own priorities. Because for so many of us, we our priorities are not correct. We're spending too much time on the urgent and not enough time on the important. And I gave a couple challenges for some things for you to do last week. I, I, I had this goal, a challenge for you to do. It's kind of hard, I won't lie, not easy. But I wanted you to take an audit of your life. I wanted you to take an audit of your finances and take an audit of literally your daily schedule. I wanted you to sit down and just start to skim through your bank accounts. 
Start to skim, make a list of all the big things you did throughout the week, and then look at it and honestly ask this question, was God the number one priority for you in the way you spent your money and the way you spent your time? Two resources that are very difficult to get back, especially our time. But I really want to focus on just half of that today, and that is our finances. I know some of you probably just went ahead and you rolled your eyes, oh, money. I can't stand it when the preacher talks about money. Like, Mike, we just did this a few months ago, back in November, in our whole generosity conversation. Well, church, we're going to speak about it just a little bit today. Because like we've been talking, you know, it's a new year. I can't keep saying that because eventually it's going to be February and the year's kind of already, you know, it's been going. But as many of you probably started to set up resolutions or goals for the new year, I bet you that some of them had to do with money. Maybe it was this. Maybe it was a spend less, save more, get out of debt, buy a car, buy a house, sell a car, sell a house, get more aggressive in your investing, or et cetera, whatever it is. I know, you know, me and Jenna personally, we're, we're trying to be a little bit better with our finances this year. You know, try to be a little bit more, try to get some debts paid off, try to be a little bit more responsible with what we've been giving. Because church in the United States, I don't know if you knew this, on the average family, we spend about $18,000 a year on non-essential purchases. $18,000 a year on non-essential purchases. That's more money than a lot of Americans make in a year. And many of us were so easily to throw that away. Church, I want to ask you this question. When it comes to your finances... When it comes to the way you spend, when it comes to your money, let's just get down to the nitty-gritty. When it comes to your money, where is God? Where is God when you spend? Where is God when you save? Where is God in your finances? Because every single one of us have them. Every single one of us have finances. Some of us don't have a lot. Some of us have a whole lot. Some of us are in the middle. But is God, number one, whether you bring home a penny a day or a million a day, where is God in your finances? Mike, I hate it when the church talks about money. But you know what, church, I don't always like to be told how to spend and how to save either. But you know, Scripture tells us so many times. So let's just look at that today. Let's look. Let's read. We're going to read a lot of Scripture today. You've been warned. It'll be up on the screen. Deuteronomy chapter 8 says this, 18. But remember the Lord your God... For is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors, as it is today. How about in Matthew chapter 6? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. Listen here. You cannot serve both God and money. Let's go to Proverbs, since this is the whole series. Chapter 15, 27 says, The greedy. Oh man, this verse, this one gets me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Because there's times where I, I can see a little bit of greed in my heart and my life. This one scares me. The greedy bring ruin to their households. But the one who hates bribes will live. We're going to be talking a lot about greed today, church. And it really makes me sit back and you know really think, and I look at that scripture. It says the greedy will bring ruin to their households. Am I bringing ruin to my household? Are you? What about Ecclesiastes chapter 5? Whoever loves money never has enough. 
whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. There's a whole section there in the book of Ecclesiastes that talks about what is and what is not meaningless. Church, the Bible gets very serious when it comes to our money. And we have to listen to it. We have to. You know why? Because all Scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching and training and rebuking your righteousness. We need to listen to what God says about our finances. We need to make sure God is our number one priority in the way we spend our money in 2022. And church, that is hard. It is difficult at times. It's hard for many of us because we don't know where to start. We don't really know why we should. <laughs> and it's hard. It really kind of made me think back a little bit. So, you know, whenever you try to really start, you know, being wise with your spending and wise with your saving, a lot of us, we, again, we try to, I used this metaphor last week, or I feel like the past few weeks, where we try to dive straight into something. We have a resolution, we have a goal, we dive into the deep end when we barely know how to swim, right? And we do good for a couple of minutes, but then we drown. Some of us do the same exact thing when it comes to being responsible and making God our main priority with our spending, so we don't know what we're doing. We need to take a note a little bit from, you know, the tortoise and the hare. Remember that old story? What happened? They're about to go on a race, and, the, and then the tortoise is going nice and slow while the hare's room is going real fast and everywhere. But it gets arrogant, takes a break. Tortoise passed them up. Church, we need to go slow. Maybe this is something that when we work on this in 2022, you need to go slow when you make God the priority of your finances. Let's read today. We're going to be in the book of Proverbs, our main reading this morning. I've got a lot of verses, I'm not going to lie. If you want to open up, if you're reading at home, if not, it'll be up on the screen. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 16. We're going to read the whole chapter. Some good stuff in here, church. And just to refresh you from last week, in case you weren't here, or in case you didn't watch online, the book of Proverbs, the reason we're speaking about this, it was mostly written by Solomon, who's the man who prayed for wisdom from, to God. God granted him wisdom. Solomon is kind of pretty much known as the wisest man to walk earth, other than Jesus. If you're new to Christianity, you're new at reading your Bible, if you're wanting to get deep into the Word this year, my opinion of Proverbs is the place to start. Some people will say start in Genesis. Some people will say start in Matthew. I like Proverbs. I think it's easy to read. It's easy to understand. And there's so much good in it. Not that there's not good in the other scriptures. It's just my mind really grasps it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's good for me. And I think it can be for you. And these writings are mostly, you know, to Solomon's children. He's giving these, these little wisdom stories, these little wisdom excerpts of how to live a life that will lead to prosperity and a life that will be, you know, pleasing to God and his will. That's why Proverbs is so great. Let's read chapter 16. This is what it says. To humans, <clears throat> excuse me, to humans belong the plans of the heart. But from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them. But motives are weighed by the Lord. There's a sermon in that scripture right there. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The Lord works everything out to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. I feel like we've, we spoke on that here recently. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Though the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. When the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. 
better a little with, excuse me better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice in their hearts humans plan their course but the lord establishes their steps the lips of a king speak as an oracle as his mouth does not betray justice honest scales and balances belong to the lord all the weights in the bag are of his making you see what he's doing here in this passages as we read He's giving these little illustrations that are going back and forth, talking about how we think we're so important, don't we, as humans? We think we're doing, you know, when we make our plans, when we say what we're, we think we're saying is correct, but really we're just saying things, we're just doing things. In reality, you know, in a lot of our lives, God should be the one really pulling the strings, calling the shots. Let's keep reading. Verse 12. Kings detest wrongdoing, for a throne is established through righteousness. Kings take pleasure in honest lips. They value the one who speaks what is right. A king's wrath is a messenger of death, but the wise will appease it. When a king's face brightens, it means life. His favor is like a rain cloud in spring. How much better, listen here, here's kind of where we need to hone in. How much better to get wisdom than gold to get insight rather than silver you know we kind of read that verse and we kind of it doesn't really stick to us too much well we need to remember who's writing this church solomon the wisest man to walk the earth other than jesus also one of the more wealthy to ever walk the earth <laughs> and see what he values Love it. Verse 17. The highway of the upright avoids evil. Those who guard their ways preserve their lives. Pride goes before destruction, a haunting spirit before a fall. Better be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers, and as blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. The wise in heart are called discerning. The gracious words promote instruction. Prudence is a fountain of life to the prudent, but folly brings punishment to fools. The heart of the wise makes their mouths prudent, and their lips promote instruction. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Pause there for a second. You know, I feel like when it comes to our spending, our saving, the way we handle our money, there's a way the world, <coughs> excuse me, there's a way the world tells you is right. You know what? All you got to do is Google, go, I mean, if you push pause on this sermon right now, and you Google uh, top tip, 10 tips for money. <laughs> You're going to get different tips. You're going to get different suggestions depending on who's telling it to you. And sometimes it's obvious on what suggestions, what tips are coming from God and what are coming from the world. But if we look there back at the verse, what does it tell us? There is a way that appears to be right. The way the world tells us to spend our money, to save our money, to give our money, or lack thereof. But in the end, it leads to death. Verse 26, the appetite of the laborers work for them. Their hunger drives them on. A scoundrel, I love that word, a scoundrel plots evil and their lips 
It is like a scorching fire. A perverse person stirs up conflicts and a gossip separates close friends. Amen. A violent person entices their neighbor and leads them down a path that is not good. Whoever winks with their eye is plotting perversity. Whoever per- pursue, whoever purses their, excuse me, their lips is bent on evil. Gray hair is a crown of splendor is attained in the way of the righteous. No amens on that one. <laughs> Better a patient person than a warrior. One with self-control than one who takes a city. The lot is cast into the lap but it's every decision is from the Lord. I want you to go back there just a second. Put, put verse 32 back up there on the screen. Let everybody see that. It says this. Better a patient person than a warrior. One with self-control. Church, when it comes to our money, our finances, do not ever look that verse. Better is a patient. Church, when it comes to your spending, are you patient? Or do you lack self-control? You know, there used to be a bumper sticker that people would see, uh, people have seen on cars. You may have seen this one. It says, he who dies with the most toys wins. <laughs> you ever see that one? Usually on a big boat. But then you might see another car that says, he who dies with the most toys still dies, right? <laughs> Church, let me ask you this question. If you had the option right now, now answer honestly, don't just, you know, make a guess. Don't just say what you're supposed to say. You're at home. You're alone. You're maybe just there with some family. Be honest. If you had the option, what would you choose? Unlimited amount of wisdom or unlimited amount of gold? Finances, money, whatever. You know, you're supposed to like, oh, yeah, wisdom. That sounds great. I don't know, man. I could do it. If I had unlimited amounts of money, I feel like I could, I could buy some wisdom, right? I mean, you start thinking a little bit more, don't you? Proverbs 11 says, Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Can't buy yourself out of that scenario, can you? Uh, Proverbs chapter 6 said lots of scripture this morning. Verse 6, I love this. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider it ways and to be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, no ruler. Yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food. Church, we are created in the image of God. You know, Scripture tells us that. We're workers. We're makers. Many of us, we have different jobs. We have different occupations. Many of you here are retired. You do different things. It would be interesting to go around the room or, you know, to ask all of you guys at home what your job was. You know, that would be a fun. Hey, if you're watching on Facebook right now, how about you put in the comments what you do for a living or what you did for a living? That would be fun. Let's do that. Let's see who all is watching right now. (laughs) Put that comment down there. What do you do for a living or what did you do for a living if you are retired? But I think that right there is one of the reasons, you know, we're supposed to be workers. There's dignity in work. When we put in effort and we earn something, it's hard for us to get rid of it. Maybe if you think back to your first ever part-time job you had. Maybe it was summer, you were raking yards or blowing leaves or whatever it was. Maybe fast food joint, whatever it was, your very first job. Remember that first paycheck you ever got? You just took your time opening, didn't you? You either pulled out the check or you opened up the cash and... You smelled it a little bit. Maybe you took a picture. Maybe some of you saw that dollar pinned up in your office or your room somewhere. 
because you worked hard for that. You put in the blood, the sweat, the effort. It was hard work. And we should take pride in that. Not a bad sense of pride, but we should take a little bit of pride when we make things. Whenever we do a good job, when we do an honest day's work, and we leave, like there's days here at the office, whenever I feel like I've done lots of work, you know, I've really communicated well with people, I've built relationships, I've done a good job on this lesson or whatever it is, you go, man, I just feel good today. Like I really feel like I, I'm just, I did good today. In church, we should feel like that. We should take pride in our, but, but here's the problem. That's why it's so hard to give it up. That financial part. It's because we worked so hard to get it. This is why I think God wants us to be so willing to let go. It's because whenever we make God number one in our financial lives, when we finally allow ourselves to be generous, to give, to do whatever it is in that way with our money, when we take the things we worked hard for, we put in the hours, the blood, the sweat, the tears, whatever, whatever you want to say, and we're willing to give it to someone we don't know because something happened on our shoulder and told us to. There is honor in that. And that's why God cares so much because he knows that it's hard to do. It's difficult. Chapter 11, Proverbs says this. One person gives freely, yet another gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Church, we've been called to be generous people. You know why? I think the opposite of generosity is being greedy. Greed is not an attribute of wisdom. Greed is not an attribute of our God, our Christ. You know, many of you probably you know, grew up watching Disney, um, you know, Disney movies or shows or whatever it is. Maybe many of you have been to Disney World. You know, we're hopefully going to go here in the next year or two. I've not been since I was in a stroller, so I don't really remember a whole lot. Maybe who you don't know a whole lot about is Abigail Disney. She's the great niece of Walt Disney. You know, she's also a documentary filmmaker who has an important moral voice in the ethical treatment of her workers. I'm going to kind of read this to you. In a segment of one of her episodes on the TED Radio Hour, where they do the TED Talks, she talks about principles her grandfather Roy, who was a co-founder of the Walt Disney Company, taught her, and how they relate to Jiminy Cricket, who speaks uh, truth to puppet. <laughs> She talks about her grandfather's warning when she went to Disneyland as a kid that she was not to sass any employee. Roy told her that these people work really hard, harder than you can imagine, and they deserve your respect. She, remembers her, her, uh, she also remembers his willingness to pick up litter. One of these people who helped create this company, this multi-billion dollar, I don't know how much it's worth now, but a lot, and yet she was told, said, hey, don't you get too big for your britches. <laughs> you may be a big wig whenever you walk into this park, but you're not too big to pick up trash. You're not too big to be nice to those who work. Proverbs chapter 3 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and your first fruits of all your crops. 
You know, first fruits is a biblical term that means our first yield. If you were with us in our generosity sermon, we had a few um, back in November, back around Thanksgiving time. I kind of gave you some tips on how to be more generous with your money. And one of the first things I said was to always take it off the top. At the beginning of the month, you're starting to plan out how much you want to give, how much you want to donate, or whatever you want to say, how much you want to give to the church. Start it at the top. Because there's a few reasons. It's a lot easier, A, you know, to take it off the top <laughs> than it is to do other than to take it off the bottom. It's a lot easier to give away the first piece of pie than the last piece of pie. Amen. But also because it shows that you're putting God first. So what I want to do this morning is I don't really want to go into this conversation of how to be more generous or even how to make God number one with our finances. I think the answer is pretty simple is, first of all, be a person of generosity. If you want to go back, get on our website, go to the sermons tab, go, um, go where it says watch, go to past sermons, go back to our conversation of the greatest month of generosity ever. Go rewatch some of those messages, go listen to some of them. We talk all about how to do this more specifically. But today, I really just want to focus very quickly on not really how we can be more generous, but why we should. Why God should be the number one in our financial lives. And here's the first reason. You know, that money was God's first. It was God's first. Psalm 24 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Some of us have forgotten who we belong to. Psalm 50 says, For every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. All the money that you own, all the money you've ever given, you know who, well, guess what? It belonged to Christ first. I'm going to make a really strange um, comparison here. I'm going to be honest. You know, I'd never seen this movie until me and Jenna started dating. It's a tradition with her um, that she heard um, um, and her, some of her family will do. Uh, every single Christmas they watch the movie Scrooge. Maybe you know the Christmas Carol story. But this was the 1970 version with Albert Finney. There's this scene where Bob Cratchit, he's at home with his family the night of Christmas Eve. I believe it's Christmas Eve. Maybe it's Christmas Day. They're about to have dinner. I think it's Christmas Eve. They're about to have dinner that night. And they're all home, and they're, they're making their toasts, you know, before they sit down and enjoy their meal. And Bob Cratchit goes, I want to give a toast to Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge, who gave us the money to have this meal. And the family's like, what? Like, we're not toasting him. He's a jerk. He doesn't give you enough. It's a Scrooge. And Bob's like, maybe. <laughs> but he gave us this. Now, before you get mad at me, I'm not trying to compare God to Ebenezer Scrooge, okay? <laughs> so don't, don't, I, I say this is, a, this is a weird comparison, okay? Because they're very different people. But I think we need to be reminded of who our money actually comes from. And so I challenge you. I don't know how often you've done this, how often you do this. When was the last time you just thanked God for what you were given financially? I think it's a habit we need to have. Maybe whenever your retirement check comes in, when your paycheck comes in, you say, God, thank you so much. Thank you. Or whenever you sit down to eat your dinner, you don't say the usual prayer, say, Lord, please bless this food, help it nourish us, because that's what you're supposed to say. How about you just say, God, thank you so much for allowing us to buy this food. 
you know, he would probably rather hear you be honest about your thankfulness than just trying to say things that you're supposed to say. It's God's first. Second reason is this. Our giving shows our faith. Did you know that? The way you give, whether it's to the church, to a different organiza- another organization, just, you know, randomly, random acts of generosity, whatever it is, you know, it really shows your faith. I was trying to think a little bit. You know, there's no way in the world, and I'm not trying to offend anybody, there's no way in the world I'm going to walk into a random organization I know nothing about, where I'm going to walk into maybe another religious building or church or whatever, another religious setting <laughs> that I obviously don't believe in. There's no way I'm going to walk into them and give them a big chunk of my money. Well, obviously. Why not? Because I have no faith in that false god. I have no faith in that belief. I have no faith in this organization I know nothing about. So why would I give them money? Hmm. Maybe when we don't give to what God is doing, you know what we're really saying? is I don't have faith in God. Hmm. That's kind of scary to me. And for some of us, that looks different. I like this quote. Tim Keller, maybe you've read some of his books. A lack of generosity refuses to acknowledge that your assets are not really yours, but God's. Church, maybe you need to reevaluate the way you spend this year, even the way you give. For some of you, maybe that means you finally get serious about what Scripture tells us about giving a tenth, a tithe, that top 10% off your paycheck to give to God so his community can be blessed. Maybe it means you just need to prioritize giving to people you don't even know more, uh, being a random giver. (laughs) How do we make God our main priority in our finances? Here's another reason we should. Miracles. Go right now. Find somebody you know in this church, someone that you know is a good giver, someone you know that doesn't matter how hard times got, It doesn't matter what bills popped up, what season of life they were in. When it was time to show up on Sunday morning, they gave their 10% every single week, no matter what happened. They gave randomly to people when they were in need. They were always willing to give, even when the numbers didn't really, you know, say, the world was like, maybe you need to save a little bit. It's really interesting to me, church, and I've seen this in our lives so, so many times, you know, especially when we go through seasons where, you know, where we're struggling a little bit, you know, to keep, keep, you know, we've gone through seasons where we're struggling a little bit to keep up with where our spending's at. Maybe things are a little tight, trying to squeeze out every dollar you can. And it's like in those moments when you decide that, hey, I don't care how tight things get this month, I'm still going to give to God. It's just weird how things just work out. Not even just that, it's just, it's awesome. How things flourish. Miracles can happen and will happen, church, when we make God our number one priority with our finances. Philippians chapter 4. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. Number four. Let's end on a good one. Why should we make God our number one priority in our giving? Is this because it becomes fun. Oh, man, I absolutely hate it, church, whenever I'm in a position where money's a little tight, 
and you can't be generous. I hate it. Drives me crazy when someone comes and asks, and I'm like, man, I, don't got, I ain't got nothing to give. Or when an opportunity pops up. Now, sometimes I'm selfish. I'm not going to lie. I mentioned this back in our generosity sermon. Those times where you didn't have any money to give, and I'm like, I got out of that one. But there's other times, I mean, I just wish I could give more. I wish I could do this. Because when you can, those of you that are, you know, good givers, you know that it can be such a blast. You know why? Because 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says, Each of you should give what you decide in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Church, you want to know how you can become a cheerful giver? You make God number one priority in your finances. You don't make the new car the number one priority. You know, a car can be a priority, but not number one. You don't make, you know, the brand new uh, granite countertops. Listen, I like granite. I like it. I do. I think it's cool. (laughs) But it shouldn't be number one. Like I can get the kids to college. They can be number two. When we make God our number one priority, we give, we bless others in such a way we can't even imagine. You know what? It becomes fun. Church, how? Let me ask you, is God your number, is God your first priority when it comes to your finances? Let's pray. Father.